Welcome to Warrensville Reaching New Heights. I'm your host, June Scharf, the Director of Communications for the City of Warrensville Heights. On this episode, my guest is someone very special, a real star in Yvette Nicole Round. She is some homegrown talent. She graduated from Warrensville Heights High School. And for the few of you who don't know her, she is a comedic actress who has appeared in numerous TV shows, films, and commercials, most recently in the NBC series Community and the Nickelodeon show Drake and Josh and also on the CBS production of The Odd Couple. And she's also appeared in lots of guest roles on other popular TV shows and supporting roles in movies. And she has some new material coming out that you'll be probably very interested in hearing more about. If you aren't familiar with her work, I just want to mention that she's one of those actresses who says so much with her body language and her facial expressions. Uh, those just speak volumes for her. She's a true talent. So please enjoy this conversation with Yvette. Yvette Nicole Brown, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great, June. How are you? Good. I have to uh, be fully authentic here. I'm in Warrensville Heights. You're in L.A., right? So you yes, are right. So you are not actually in the studio with me, um, but I am thrilled to be able to talk to you. So I'm excited too, honey. Thank you. All right. Well, listen. You call yourself an actress, a host, and a champion of kindness, and you left off the part about being gorgeous. But uh, I just want to know to start out with, um, what projects are you currently working on? It's funny, I left gorgeous off because I don't believe I am, but thank you very much. Um, <laughs> currently, I'm working on, uh, they're doing, Disney's doing a live action remake of um, Dis- uh, Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm flying back and forth from LA to Georgia working on that. I'll be doing that up until uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and then I'm also still recurring on the um, sitcom Mom. So I've been doing those two things this fall. Okay, with Lady and the Tramp, what role do you play? I play Aunt Sarah. I'm the one that doesn't like dogs, and I almost passed on the audition because I just don't think I'm that good of an actress. I love dogs way too much to pretend not to love them, so we'll see how it comes out, but I'm kind of the villain in the, in the story. Well, that's that's a new role for you, right? You've never done villain it work? It is. Yeah, uh, vill- being the villain is a new world. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's very exciting. Um, now, I, I, everyone should know that you're very active on Twitter at... Um, Add Y N B. So, how is that going for you? Do you like being in that space? In the Twitter space, yeah, I think it's a it's a perfect way to uh, talk to people instantly. It's also a great way to clear up any misconceptions people have about you. It's like them hearing directly from you instead of having to go through a publicist or whatever. Um, and it's also just a great platform. I think it's wonderful to to, to say something and have hundreds of thousands of people hear it at once. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important for everyone to make sure they have something positive to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for them to use their platform for good and not evil, and it's important to not lie on their platform. And so um, when I bump up against those types of things, I fight against it. I'm very vocal, and I'm not afraid to stand up. You just played a starring role in what was a short-lived ABC comedy, The Mayor, uh, which aired last fall on Tuesdays right after the hit Blackish. But it didn't make the ratings, so the networks yanked it. But this is not the first. I, you know, I, I want to mention that because that, that you know that is, um, an, you know, an achievement. But it's not the first time this has happened. So we're, you know, something got yanked. So how did you handle it? Uh, well, I mean, every show gets canceled, huh? That's 
eventually. There's no show that's ever on that, that makes it the full round. You do the best you can. You hope people watch it. And, you know, um, that's the best you can do. I mean, we made a really beautiful show about uh, young people voting and young people caring about uh, what's happening in the world. And um, sometimes when you make a great show, it takes a while to find the audience. And sometimes the audience never comes. And when that happens, the show gets canceled. Mm-hmm. So if you enter this industry and you're not prepared for things to end, you're, you're on a full there and everything ends. So I, I deal with it just fine. You just go on to the next In morning. addition to the TV shows that you've been on, you're also sometimes a guest on talk shows. And, you know, that makes you a, a true, real deal star. And, and I'm wondering how that feels. I mean, you're, you've made it. How does it feel? No, I don't think you ever make it. I don't, I don't feel like I made it. I'm from, I'm from East Cleveland originally. I graduated from Warrensville. I'm a regular person. Um, I don't I don't feel that you ever really make it. You just are always working towards your next opportunity, working towards your next job, hoping that it lasts. You know what I mean? Like yes. that's this business. Anyone that sits back goes, Yeah, I made it, you're kinda you're kinda setting yourself up for failure because like like you mentioned with the mayor, you can put your all into something and it can last thirteen episodes. So you never fully arrive. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just happy that I'm a kind person. I'm happy that um I have friendships that have lasted thirty plus years. I'm happy that my family is healthy. Like, those are the things that make you a true success. Being on a television show, eh, it's just a job. So I haven't made it. I haven't made it yet. Okay, well, you absolutely keep it real. And I just have to say something I thought was very funny. Um, in a segment you re- that asked you what is in your purse, you showed a pair of hoop earrings and you compared that to lipstick because you believe hoop earrings make your face look better. So where did you learn that lesson? I just, I have a very large head, so anything that I can put on that, like, detracts from the size of my head is good, and so hoop earrings are large in their own way, so that's just something personal for me. It might not work for every head, but if you have a large head, a hoop <laughs> earring gets your friend. Okay, that's great. That's great. Um, okay, so now I, I want to kind of go back in time. Um, if I may, I'm going to reveal when you were born. Am I allowed to do that? And people can do the math themselves? You have, the, you have to say the year, but you can say the date if you want. I don't know if we got to talk about my age. Okay, no age, no age. Well, all right, okay, that's okay. You, you, when did, so you were you grew up partly in East Cleveland, but then when did you arrive in Warrensville Heights? I came to Warrensville when I was in uh, the fifth grade when I was ten years old. Okay, and um, who who did you move here with? Uh, was it your? And do you have any siblings? Your mom, your dad? What was yes, going on? My mom, my mom. And my, my older brother, my mom and dad got divorced when I was one years old. So it was just the three of us moved to Warrensville. Okay. And do you stay in touch with anyone from around here? Do I stay in touch with people from Warrensville? Yes. Yeah. A lot of my friends are still there. Okay. I, I make no assumptions. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. That That's great. Um, now, g- staying in this channel with your childhood, um, you said that singing was your greatest love, but singing didn't want you and acting did, and that you took a lesson that we shouldn't push toward things that aren't pushing back at us, but um, you did spend some time being a singer, and I just wondered um, if you can tell us a little bit about that. Being a singer? Um- yes. I was signed to uh, Motown Records when I was, I think I was 17 or 18. Uh, Michael Bivens, who discovered Boys to Men, who's in, he's in BBD in New Edition, he discovered me and three other talents in um, Ohio the same night that BBD was in town. Um, so I thought that I would be a singer. I, I, it was my greatest love. I thought I would, would do that for the rest of my life. But 
the way God works sometimes, what you love the most may not be what your what your purpose to do. And so I've learned in life to only go after the things that want me. And music didn't want me in the same way that acting did. And there's no harm in that. There's no harm in, in, in changing uh, course or uh, readjusting a dream, um, especially if it's God tugging you in another direction. So the blessing of it all is that I get to sing um, often for a lot of my characters that I've played. I've sung on Drake and Josh. I've sung on Community. I've, I've sung on The Mayor. Um, so it's it's a gift that I have that I'm able to use in this other career that God positioned me for. So, yeah, it's, it's still a part of my life. It's just not what I do for a living. Okay. Uh, well, mm-hmm. You attended... Um, University of Akron, and I'm just wondering what the plan was during those years. Well, what was the plan of going to the University of Akron? Yeah, you were going to get a degree and then go into what? Um, I, I initially wanted to be a singer, as I said earlier, so my goal was to just, I wanted my degree just as a safety net, because mm-hmm. um, I also loved talking, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be a journalist or a talk show host, so I studied uh, mass media uh, production, so I could have gone down the news route or talk show route. Um, I just wanted it as a safety, so I studied um, mass media. I got my, my bachelor's in that. So the plan was just to have something that if my music career didn't work out, I would have a way to make a living. So that was the plan. Okay, well then it sounds like you quickly shifted and you went to Hollywood after you graduated for acting classes. So I'm wondering, you know, what, what did that look like? Were you working at the same time while you were auditioning? Well, I never actually took acting class, but I, I had one experiencing theater course in college, which was just an elective, and I audited a couple of acting classes here for like maybe a couple of months, but I've never been a trained actor, again, because it wasn't really my, my goal, music was my goal. So when I first moved out, I thought that I would come out here and just start singing and life would change, and that's just, you know, the lesson to people is that life is often doesn't go the way you plan, but it doesn't mean it can't be a good life. So I ended up working in offices. I had a degree. So I worked at Motown, I worked at Showtime, I worked at MGM, I ended up becoming a legal secretary um, through all of the, the jobs that I had. So you just you just take the take the take the ride. That's what I think life is about, taking the ride. And as I was in the midst of legal being a legal secretary, my last real job was at Showtime, um, I found out about a play that was gonna tour and I asked my boss, Steve Rogers, wanna shout him out if it would be okay if I took a leave of absence to see if acting was for me. And he, to my surprise, he said, yes, go out for for three months, see if you like it. And if you don't, your job will be here. If you do like it, then, you know, we'll go ahead and you can you can quit. So I went out. I was out for two weeks. I knew in two weeks it was for me, and I called him. And he, with his blessing, he let me, he let me leave. And that's when my acting career started. So um, the blessing of, the, of getting my degree first is that I was able to get better jobs and better office jobs as I pursued my dream. So I always think a college degree is is necessary. Um, at least it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a blessing. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's a, that's a great story. Uh, but just sliding back into the past, uh, more distant past, when you were at Warrensville Heights High School, did you perform in any shows there? I did. I was uh, in the choir and in the uh, the drama club. So every play that they did in the late 80s, I was a player concert, I sang or performed in all of them. Some of them are on VHS. I don't know how sturdy those VHS tapes are. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, but yeah, there's a lot of productions up there. Okay. Uh, were, you in the, were you a cheerleader, too? I wasn't a cheerleader. I was a high-stepper. So we were like the cheerleaders of the band. And okay. I was on the dance week, like a dance uh, club, like a dance team uh, right. last year. I did that, too. But yeah, the, the athletic side of me is not, <laughs> not really the strong side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
Okay. Um, now, we can't believe everything we read on the internet, but I did see a story that said your first role came from sending a casting director a postcard, and this was, you know, pre-internet, I assume, so I'm just, if this is true, what on earth did that postcard say? It was, the internet was around at the time, um, but the industry hadn't moved over to, uh, you know, everybody having every casting director's email address. Um, the postcard said it was Robbie Reed, one of the, the best uh, casting directors that we have um, in L.A., and she was casting a show called Girlfriends, Tracy Ellis Ross, who's on Blackish. This was the first sitcom she had ever done. And uh, the postcard just said, hi, <laughs> I Miss Reed, I, I adore you, and I, I would love the chance to audition for you if something comes up that I'm right for. And that postcard happened to cross her desk like a week before she was casting uh, two episodes, a guest arc on um, Girlfriends. And I had no credits. I had no agent. To this day, I have no idea why she chose me to come in, but I auditioned for it and I got it. It was the first thing I did. And it led to just everything that's come since. So I'm very grateful to her and Mara Brockakiel, the creator of Girlfriends, who saw something in me when I didn't even see anything in myself. So it was amazing. Awesome. Did, did you have a portfolio of photos? Anything for her to see? No, I mean, I had a headshot. You yeah. got to have a headshot. But like I said, I just got dropped from my agent. So without an agent, you can't move in L.A. for the most part. Mm-hmm. The agent is the one that finds the job mm-hmm. and tells you where to go and, and makes the appointments and all that. If you don't have an agent, you don't know what's out there. And I didn't send the postcard knowing that there was a role I was right for coming up. I just sent it saying if something ever comes up. So it was mm-hmm. like, it was serendipitous. It was meant to be. Um, and that's the other thing I would love for people to know about their lives, like, when something's meant to be, there's nothing that can stop it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to happen. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, you should be encouraged by that. So, um, and it's miraculous when it does happen. So that, that mm-hmm. was what that experience was like for me. Awesome. Um, now, in 2014, you announced that you were going to be leaving your great gig as Shirley Bennett on, you know, a very successful comedy series, Community, after five seasons to take care of your ill father. So you basically were stepping away from a job, as I understand it, that demanded 16 hours a day for about five months to fill a season's order of show. So can you tell us about that time? Yeah, um, family first. <laughs> and a lot of people thought I was crazy for giving up a big Hollywood job, but my father and my family and my friends come before career. Like I gotta, I gotta do right by my family. And my dad has dementia, and he needed someone to take care of him. And I made the decision to do that. And thankfully, Sony and NBC were kind enough to let me out of the contract. The show had been canceled on NBC, but um, it when I made the decision to go get my dad. But in the interim time from going to Ohio and bringing him to LA the show got picked up by Yahoo and they were trying to um, just transfer our contracts over, which I guess they legally could do. Um, but it just didn't work for my family anymore. And um, I I would not have been able to sleep at night knowing that, you know, I couldn't be there for my dad because I was doing a TV show. And so thankfully I was able to express to them why it was important for them to release me and they were kind enough to do it. Um, family first. I understand. Um, how long did you sort of pull back from your career? Is that a year? I didn't I didn't really pull back from my career. I just pulled back from a job I knew was not conducive to caring for my dad. Um, okay. Thankfully, and again, nothing but God, within maybe a month of the, the my decision to leave, I got a call about uh, The Odd Couple. CBS was rebooting The Odd Couple with Matthew Perry and Thomas Lennon, and it was a role they were recasting. And the, that show would be 25 hours a week of work instead of 80 hours a week of work. 
So I was able to get my dad breakfast in the morning, make sure he has his pills. I could visit him at lunchtime. Like it was just a better work environment for me. So I just transitioned from doing community to doing the odd couple and did that for three years and it was a great blessing. So I never stepped back. I just adjusted okay. the workload. Okay, I understand. <laughs> uh, now I may have the year wrong, but my understanding is in 2015, you revealed your own health problem, which was a diagnosis of diabetes. And your mantra very quickly became that you'd rather not eat donuts so you can keep your feet. So what changes did you make in your life to lose a significant amount of weight in about a year? I stopped eating donuts. (laughs) (laughs) It really was that simple because when I was on the set of community, I would eat about six a day. I'm not even joking. Um, the The greatest joke and comparison I can give you is that I worked on community with Donald Glover, and every time they said cut, Donald Glover would go and write a song, write a television show, create a movie and I would go and eat donuts so that's how we spent our time our off time on the set of community and so I ate my way to diabetes and he, he wrote his way to becoming Childish Gambino and the creator of Atlanta so use your time wisely um, there's no secret to losing weight we all know how to do it you just move more and eat less and um, for me it wasn't an urgent thing to do until I had a diagnosis that I ate myself into so and yeah, there's no secret to it you move more and eat less yeah, and you're perfectly healthy now, so you stuck with your program. Yeah, I mean, I have, di- I have diabetes. I'm going to always have diabetes, but it's in a remission now. Like, I'm not on medication, and, you know, just a, just a 7 to 10% weight loss. This is a good information for people. A 7 to 10% uh, percent weight loss can affect a diabetes diagnosis. Wow. It's not a lot of weight to lose mm-hmm. to, to adjust things, especially if you're in the pre-diabetic range. So those of you that, that have pre-diabetes, just start walking and put down the, the sweet tea and the donuts, and you can you can literally change your diagnosis. <laughs> okay, great advice. So I'd like to rattle off some of the commercials you've appeared in because it's a very impressive list. Uh, we've got Hamburger Helper, Big Lots, Pine Salt, Comcast, Shout, YoPlay, DiGiorno Pizza, Dairy Queen, Citibank, Home Depot, and Time Warner. And these are really impressive gigs, and I wondered how you got into this line of work. I started my career um, doing commercials. I always tell young actors who wonder how they can get in. It's the easiest way to get in because it's not about your credits. It's not about your 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 rep. It's all about your face and your personality and can you sell something. And if you're an actor and you're worth your salt, you can probably sell something. So I got in by just sending a, a headshot, the same headshot I sent to Robbie Reed on a postcard. I sent to a, um, an agency called, it was Kazarian Spencer and Associates back then, how long ago it was. And um, they called me in and met with me and, and agreed to rep me in the room. And I just started auditioning. I ended up booking 45 national commercials, which was the way that I was able to quit um, working my temp jobs because uh, they're lucrative. Commercials pay really well. So, um, well, at least they used to. It's just some stuff happening in the industry now where things are changing. But back in the old age, old days, mm-hmm. you could really make a nice living just doing commercials. So. You just, I just auditioned, and apparently my foolishness was acceptable, and I, I kept looking, so it was a <laughs> gift from God. That's a great story. Um, you are very modest. Now, uh, future plans. I could totally see you in a Broadway musical, so I want to know what you're waiting for. You know what? I, I don't feel like I, I've earned Broadway yet. I really respect Broadway actors. I respect um, what Broadway represents. And I never wanted to be one of those people, well, I'm just going to go do my little three months in the, the great white wig. You know what I mean? I just feel like it, it, it's rude and it diminishes the, the talents of the people that, that are there eight shows a week every single day. 
So I got to earn it. So when I feel like I've been in the industry long enough and I've, I've paid my dues and now I can set down, you know, and then also I still, I still have my dad. And for me to, to do a Broadway show, eight shows a week, I'd have to live there. And mm-hmm. um, I don't want to, I moved him away from snow. I don't want to do that to him. I think it'd be a little bit too much stimulation for someone with dementia. So mm-hmm. um, it might be a, a, a dream for later life, you know, but it, I don't think I could do it now. But I, yeah, I, I love Broadway. I love everything mm-hmm. about it. I understand. Well, um, it definitely sounds within the realm of possible for one day, <laughs> some someday. Um, okay. So, as as a highly eligible lady, is there any man to speak of? Because I'm sure some people would like to know. No, actually, just broke up with somebody a couple months ago. Uh, so I am totally single. If there is a God-fearing young man that uh, is creative and funny, and is kind and smart and politically minded, please be politically minded. That would be great. Okay. Uh, That's um, an enticing offer, I'm sure, to many. Let's just zoom out for a minute. As far as these hosting gigs go that you find yourself in demand for, I mean, aside from The View, you've performed this role on The Talk, The Chew, The Real, and The Talking Dead. So how did you get this rolling? This is a whole other thing for you. Oh, getting to to, to host stuff? Yes. I like people, and I like talking, and I like um, making people think, and I'm funny, so um, those are the skills that you kind of need to be a a talk show host or a guest on a show, and so um, it probably was Talking Dead that started it all for me, but I also did uh, a few months as a guest co-host on the Jeff Probst show, it used to be on CBS, in the mornings, and I think that was the first time... um, uh, I think America got a glimpse of my foolishness, and <laughs> and thankfully, you know, I keep getting asked back. And, and if someone wants to hear my my opinions, I'm more than happy to share them. I share them on Twitter, on Instagram, and you know, I'm honored when a show as wonderful as The View or or The Talk or The Real or The Chew. I mean, I've been on so many shows that they want me to come and hang out for an hour. That's such a a, a blessing, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm always happy to go, you know. So yeah, it just kind of opened up. You know, when you show yourself to be opinionated, people want to hear what you got to say, good and bad, which is great. Mm-hmm. Free country. That's right. Um, yep. Okay, well, I'd, I'd like to wrap up here by directing uh, listeners to a spot on your your very lovely website where there's a tab called Do Good featuring some great quotes. I'm going to just read a few of them. One is, I don't fear failure. I fear succeeding at something that doesn't matter. Another one, be a fountain, not a drain. And another one, uh, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. That was Muhammad Ali. And so I just want to say staying grounded is absolutely one of your hallmarks. And these statements clearly reflect that. So thank you for being who you are and for sharing a little bit of yourself with us today. Thank you. You know, it's so, I was so honored to get the email asking me to, to, to be on your show, Jim, because I love where I'm from. And, and my, my greatest joy and goal is to represent Ohio and Warrensville and East Cleveland well, and Akron well. So anytime I get a chance to, to talk, come back, I come back. Anytime I get a chance to talk to people from there like you, I, it's an honor. So thank you so much, and I, um, I appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. We do appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you, honey. <laughs>